Well, happy Sunday and a big OCC welcome to all of our guests who are joining us online for the first time this weekend. Uh, Today, we're going to be wrapping up our current series, Pray First. Now, over the past several weeks, we've been focusing on the importance of prayer in our daily lives and how God wants all of us to develop a prayer life, not just pray more, but to develop a prayer life. You know, learning to develop a prayer life means learning to talk to and listen to God like he's your best friend. Romans chapter 5 verse 11 says, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Learning to develop a prayer life also means uh, learning to pray as your first line of defense, as your first choice, not as a last resort. Throughout this series, we've looked at some of the important truths about prayer and how we can apply these truths to our daily lives. We've talked about what prayer isn't and what it is. If you think back to week one, this has been a while, but we said prayer was never meant to be a magic wand. It's also not a fire extinguisher, a bargaining tool, or a religious ritual. Really, in its simplest form, prayer is just communication with our Heavenly Father. Uh, Prayer is the most practical way that you and I can have a relationship with God. We also spent two weeks going deeper into the Lord's Prayer. Uh, The Lord's Prayer is the model of prayer that Jesus taught to the early disciples. And remember, right before he gets into the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, This is how you should pray. He never said, this is what you should pray. He said, this is how you should pray. And that's a reminder uh, to all of us this morning that the value of the Lord's Prayer is not in reciting it word for word. You know, there's certainly nothing wrong with that, but I do fear that when we start going down that road, it can become a religious ritual. It loses its power and purpose. The value of the Lord's Prayer is in using it as a model for our own conversations with God, a model for our own prayer life. Over the past two weeks, we've taken a closer look at some of the prayers that other men and women have prayed throughout the Old Testament, specifically Jehoshaphat and Elijah. Now, I believe that it's challenging and encouraging for us uh, to learn about the prayer life of other believers, uh, people who've gone before us. So how do we wrap up a series on prayer that's been aimed at giving us the right kind of tools uh, that'll help us continue to grow in our own prayer life? Well, in week one, I shared that even as your pastor, you know, I often struggle with prayer. I, I really struggle with being consistent in my own prayer life, having meaningful times of prayer, and even having the desire to pray. This week, some specific questions about prayer uh, came to mind. Questions like, what am I supposed to do when I've prayed about the same thing for so long and it still seems like there's no answer? Or what do I do when the storms of life keep me feeling discouraged in my prayer life? What do I do when it's just hard to keep praying? When, when I don't feel like I have the strength or even the desire to pray? Maybe you've asked yourself some of these questions in the past or maybe you're wrestling with questions like this today. Well, this morning, I want to wrap up our series by looking at a story, a story that Jesus told in the book of Luke chapter 18. This is a story that encourages believers um, to always pray and never give up. We're also going to look at a few practical truths that we find in the New Testament book of Colossians uh, chapter 4. 
truths that will help you know how to pray and what to pray for, especially when you find it hard to keep praying. The title of my message this morning is Always Pray and Never Give Up. That's what I want to encourage you with today. That even when it's hard to pray, I believe God wants to give you the strength and the desire to persevere in prayer, to always pray and never give up. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to open with me to Luke chapter 18, specifically verses 1 through 8. As you do, um, this chapter of Luke, uh, we find a story also called a parable. And we're going to learn what it means to always pray and never give up. And then after we look at this story, we're going to jump to Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, as the Apostle Paul shares some practical truths for how you can pray and what you can pray for, especially when it's hard to pray. So Luke chapter 18, uh, verses 1 through 8, it says, One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. And then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Again, Luke 18 is what's known as a parable. Now, early on in my own ministry, when I was a youth minister, um, I had the privilege of serving under um, just a great senior pastor. And uh, this guy that I was serving alongside and serving under, he would always refer to parables as earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. In fact, he said this so often, and I heard him say this so often that it just stuck. So now I refer to parables as earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. Parables are often true stories that have eternal value when applied to everyday life. Now, throughout the Gospels, uh, Jesus shared around 40 parables, um, give or take a few, depending on how you classify a parable. And many of the parables that Jesus taught, they help paint a clearer picture of what God is like his character, and his nature. But this parable that we're reading today um, is unique because it helps us understand what God is not like. You see, in this case, God is not like the unjust judge. Let's reread the parable in smaller sections, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. It says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story, or a parable, to show that they should always pray and never give up. So why is he uh, telling them this parable? To show them that they should always pray and never give up. You can see the title of my message right there. Verse two, there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. See, the purpose of this parable is to show believers that they should always pray and never give up. We often call this persevering in prayer. Now to always pray and never give up, this does not mean 
that God wants you to pray endless repetitive prayers or that he wants you to have a painfully long prayer session every single day. Although I will say this, that repetition in prayer, when the motive is right, and praying for long periods of time is sometimes what's needed. And here's why I say that. You see, it's been said that prayer doesn't always change the situation, but prayer always changes the one who's praying. Let me say that again. Prayer doesn't always change the situation, but prayer always changes the one who's praying. To always pray and never give up means developing a sincere prayer life and constantly keeping your request before God as you live faithfully for Jesus. It means believing that God can and that God will answer your prayers according to his perfect timing and according to his perfect will. So to teach us that we should always pray and never give up, Jesus shared this parable. Now this particular parable starts by introducing us to a judge who's described as someone who does not fear God and who doesn't care about people. Now, I've always felt like this was an interesting way to introduce and describe someone. All right, this is the very first thing that we know about this judge. Um, this is the first time we're hearing of him. I think it's the last as well. And his defining qualities, the defining characteristics about this guy is that he doesn't love God and he doesn't care about people. I guess I think about how awkward it would be for someone to start a new job. And on their first day, the boss decides to walk him around the office, introducing him to, to all of his new coworkers. And then the boss gets to the very last guy in the office and decides to, to describe him only by his faults. So I think it'd play out something like this. So you, you're, it's your first day on the job. Your boss is walking you around. He says, hey, you see that guy over there? His, his name is Jerry. He actually holds the record for total sales in a single month. He, he's just an awesome salesman. You see the girl sitting at the desk over there? Uh, her name is Maggie. And She's the most generous person in the office. In fact, when lunch comes around, she's always offering uh, to buy lunch for other people. Now, over there are two brothers. You have Zach and Cody. Um, they've been with us for over 30 years. They're our longest employees. They're quiet, but they always get their work done. In the back of the room is a guy named Bob. Bob doesn't love God, and he doesn't care about people. <laughs> Wouldn't you hate to be described in this way? See, but there's, there's a reason that Jesus chose to describe the judge in the way that he did. Let's keep reading and you'll see why. Verses three through five, it says, a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. So we know this widow lived in the same city as the judge, and she has repeatedly approached him about a problem that she's having with someone else who she describes as her enemy. Apparently, she dislikes this person so much that she's willing to, to keep pressuring the judge to do something about her problem. Now, we don't know if she bothered him for a week, if it was a month, a year, or even longer, but finally, the judge decides just to give in. He decides to settle her case. Now, parents, I think we've all been there with our kids. In fact, if you have young kids at home right now, I think you can relate to this in, in some way. You know, maybe, maybe your kids want something so badly. Um, they'll often just keep asking until you either give them a definitive yes or no, or they eventually give up because they get tired of asking. 
let me use my boys as an example. So we moved to Onalaska in August of 2018, and that very next winter was one of the harshest winters this area has seen in a long time. I mean, I think one month uh, we had, you can correct me if I'm wrong in person, but I, I think it was somewhere like 27 inches of snow which makes sense because that year was also some of the coldest weather at negative 25, 26 degrees. So for a few months, you know, my kids were just every day, hey, dad, 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 can we go outside? Can we go outside? Can we go outside? I mean, I'd get home from work, shovel the driveway, um, or if we were just stuck inside that day, it felt like that's all I was hearing. You know, mom, 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 can we go outside? Dad, 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 can we go outside? And our answer had to be no for obvious reasons. It was too cold. But then we got some warmer weather, and uh, man, that was awesome, because they asked if they could go outside, and the answer was yes. We were finally able to say yes. And the judge in this parable ignored the widow as long as he possibly could. Now, we weren't ignoring our kids. We just had to say no, and I'm sure you're not ignoring your kids either. But in this case, he, he had just finally had enough. You see, she was driving him crazy with her constant requests. I think it's kind of like being stuck indoors all winter long with your kids who just want to go outside and play. The judge finally decided to answer her request. Now, as a side note, uh, parents, these are not healthy parenting principles here. If this were a series on parenting, the judge would provide a great example of what not to do. Well, let's finish the parable, uh, verses 6 through 8. It says, Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. So here's one of the main lessons of the parable. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Here's an important truth about God that we learn from this parable. God does not answer your prayers in the way that this unjust judge gave in to the widow's request. What do I mean by that? Well, see, you don't bother God when you continually go to him in prayer. He isn't bothered like a parent who gets fed up with their kids when they keep asking for the same thing over and over again, or like this unjust judge who caved because he was tired of hearing her request. That's not what God is like. And that's because our heavenly father is a perfect parent. He never gets tired of hearing from you and he doesn't give in or or cave in because you bug him or bother him. The truth is you don't bug him. Remember one of the points from last week's message was God delights in the prayers of believers. God delights in hearing your prayers. He, He loves to hear from you. I think sometimes he'd rather hear from us more often than we go to him right now. So let's shift gears a little bit. You know, what are you supposed to do when you've prayed about the same thing for so long and there's still no answer? What do you do when the storms of life leave you feeling discouraged in your prayer life? What do you do when it's just hard to even pray? When you don't have the strength or even the desire to pray? Well, Jesus shared this parable to show his disciples that we should always pray and never give up. So to help us learn how to persevere in prayer, I'd like to talk about a few truths that we learned from the Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 4, 
uh, verses 2 through 4. These truths are so applicable when it comes to learning how to persevere in prayer, how to always pray and never give up. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Uh, you can use your smartphone as well, uh, the Version Bible app, verses 2 through 4. I'm going to read through this, and then we'll go back through kind of verse by verse, just like we did with the, the parable. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim his message as clearly as I should. The first thought I had this week when I, when I read this is that when you don't know how to pray, I, I just want to encourage you to pray the word of God. When you don't know what to pray, pray the word of God. You see, when you pray the word of God, you can be confident that you're praying the will of God. And when you pray the will of God, you will always, always see the work of God. And that's what we're going to do with Colossians 4. So this, these few verses give us uh, four things that we can remember and pray about when it's hard to keep praying. So if you happen to be taking notes this morning, we're going to go through these last few points pretty quickly. Uh, number one, something that we all need to remember. When it's hard to pray, devote yourself to prayer. When it's hard to pray, devote yourself to to prayer. Decide that you're going to be devoted to prayer. Colossians 4 verse 2, the beginning of that verse says, devote yourselves to prayer. Now I know this sounds simple. It sounds obvious, but this is so important. You see, Jesus said, always pray and never give up. And then the apostle Paul echoes this truth when he says, devote yourselves to prayer. You know, there's so much power in persevering prayer. I mean, this week I was reminded of another parable in Luke 11 about the friend at midnight. This is um, how we uh, remember this parable. So Luke 11, 5 through 10 says, Then teaching them more about prayer, um, Jesus used this story. He said, Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out for his, for, from his bedroom, Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are in bed. I, I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and he'll give you whatever you need. That word need is important. Not whatever you want, but whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. This is that perseverance in prayer. Uh, John Piper likes to say that perseverance is the great test of genuineness in the Christian life. I think that's such a, a beautiful quote. You know, in my life, I am so grateful that I've had so many faithful and consistent examples of what it looks like to, to persevere in prayer. Uh, so many other men and women who've demonstrated what it means to persevere in prayer. In fact, this morning, you know, after being here almost two years at OCC, I'm so grateful that, that so many of you have dedicated your life and, and decided to, to persevere in prayer for years. I've heard stories, some of you have prayed for for five years about a specific issue. Some of you, 10 years, 
15 years or, or even 20 years. Even when it's hard to pray, you've, you've been devoted to prayer. And I'll say this this morning, and I hope this is encouraging for you. Your example will encourage others in this truth, uh, in this church as well, to continue to be a praying church. Your example will encourage this church to continue to be a praying church. So don't stop praying. Always pray and never give up. Decide today, this is, this is for everyone, decide today that you're going to devote yourself to prayer, even when it's hard. And that might mean that you need to get rid of some distractions today. I can't tell you how many Christians I talk to these days that you know, are, are really struggling in their faith. They, they're longing for more. They want to connect with God. And, and I ask these, these very simple foundational questions. Are you in the word of God and are you praying? And more often than not, the answer is no. And I, I'm, I'm so worried because our culture has gotten away from the very things that the Bible tells us that we should be devoted to. We should be devoted to prayer and the word of God. So decide today, um, devote yourself to prayer. Number two, these are specific things that we can pray when it's hard to pray. So number two, when it's hard to pray, pray against a wondering mind. Pray against a wondering mind. Colossians 4 verse 2 continues, um, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind. Uh, this means that we should be alert or mentally awake. You know, some commentators believe that Paul was actually sharing some of the truths that he learned from the story of what happened uh, with Jesus and the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's here that Jesus asked the disciples to pray, and then he came back and he found them sleeping. Uh, Mark 14, 32 through 38 is where we see the bulk of this story. It says, they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death, so stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, that the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done not mine. Verse 37 says, then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now friends, I don't really know how to be cured of a wandering mind. And I don't even know if that's, that's possible. I can just tell you in my own life, um, I really relate to these disciples who fell asleep. I mean, I'll be praying or reading God's word or reading another book, you know, preparing for a message or a small group. And then 30 seconds in, I'm thinking about something else. All right. My wife calls me out on this all the time. I, I can't do two things at once. All right? I can't do two things at once physically or, or even mentally. I just don't know how. But I do know this, that when I go to God in prayer, he's faithful when I pray and, and ask him to help my wandering mind, he answers that prayer. Now, like anything, you know, God wants us to pray and then we're supposed to act on those prayers. I believe God wants us to be proactive about putting the distractions away so that we can actually focus on God. But I will say he, he always answers that prayer. Maybe for you today, you're, you're really struggling with a wandering mind. It's hard for you to focus. You know, you come to church on Sunday morning and you know, maybe you fall asleep. I'll take the blame for some of that with my messages. <laughs> but pray against a wandering mind. 
You know, there are so many things fighting for your attention these days. And Jesus reminds us to watch and pray so that you won't give in to temptation. And Paul's instruction is to watch against a wondering mind. I think this covers a wide range of issues. You know, watching how you spend your time. What what are you doing in your free time? Making sure you're not pursuing meaningless desires, you know, uh, the, the things you choose to spend your money on, the places you choose to go, or even the relationships that you're building that may or may not honor God. You know, that's, that's for a whole other message or series of messages, but I think our culture has, has really watered down what it means to be someone's friend, and then, you know, specifically what it means to be uh, married. I mean, we take these... Uh, these wonderful relational gifts that God's given us, and we we twist them, and we, and we kind of make them what we want them to be, or we we model culture's idea of what they should be, instead of going to God's word. You know, watching against a wondering mind, I, I believe it covers that as well. Make sure that you're you're pursuing relationships and building relationships that, that honor God. So as you watch against a wondering mind, and the things that can distract you from doing God's will. I want to encourage you with this. Always watch for what's good and for what's good for you. So yeah, we should you know, guard against uh, giving in to temptation. Absolutely. But we should also watch for what's good and for what's good for you. Now, be alert for how God is guiding your life. Um, surround yourself with other believers. It's so important to you know, be involved in a, in a growth group um, here at church. You know, I think if you're listening online for the first time right now, I would tell you that we, we have online growth groups now. Uh, you can get connected to other believers who will encourage you in your faith right where you're at. That's the beauty of technology these days. We can use it for the advancement of the gospel and the building of, of God's kingdom. It's, it's an amazing thing. So when it's hard to pray, watch against a wondering mind. The third point and the second thing I want to encourage you to pray about is this. When it's hard to pray, um, pray prayers of thanksgiving. So pray prayers of thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2 uh, continues, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So when it's hard to pray, be on the lookout for what God is already doing in and around your life. The things that uh, you can be grateful for, that you can give the, the credit and the glory to God for. Thank God for, for what he's done and for what he's doing. And then I would encourage you to share these things with other people. You know, don't keep them bottled up. I think the, the things that God is doing in, in my life and in your life, those are meant to be shared with others. You know, you have a story, and your story matters to God. And I believe that's one of the greatest ways we can share Jesus with others. You know, when you're thankful in your prayers and intentional about sharing what you're thankful for with others, it'll actually help you persevere in prayer because the focus is taken off of self and it's placed on who God is, uh, what he's done, and what he's doing. I'm reminded of 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So in all circumstances, maybe right now you're, you're on the mountaintop, maybe you're in the valley, wherever you might be, find uh, ways to be thankful in all circumstances. We used to tell the kids in our, our children's and youth ministry, you know, look for God's sightings. Keep your eyes open and try to recognize where God is at work. So when it's hard to pray, pray prayers of thanksgiving. Thank God for what he's doing and then share those things with other, other people. It's so encouraging for others. Number four, if you're taking notes, and then also this is the third thing that I would encourage you to pray about. When it's hard to pray, pray for the mission of the local church. 
When it's hard to pray, uh, pray for the mission of the local church. Uh, Paul writes in Colossians 4, verses 3 and 4, uh, pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. You know, Paul asked for prayer, that he would be able to proclaim the good news about Jesus and that he would do so often and with clarity. I think we should be asking others to pray uh, for us in in this same way, but we can also pray for them as well, that God would use them to share Jesus effectively, that God would use us to share Jesus effectively. Some specific ways that you can pray for the mission of the local church today, specifically your church family here. Um, Pray for our church family that, you know, every week when we come together, um, we would have open and receptive hearts uh, to God's word and towards his leading in our lives. So pray for your church family. Um, Pray that God would give you and others more opportunities to share Jesus with your neighbors and that you would do so with clarity. You know, ask that God would give you that boldness uh, to do that. Pray for our church leaders, you know, our our deacons, our board, our staff, our elders, that we would be uh, led by God's spirit. And for our elders and for myself, I would ask for prayer today that that we would be faithful in shepherding the church that God has called us to, to be shepherds of. So we go back to Luke chapter 18, the, the parable of the persistent widow. And I think we can be reminded today that, that God is not like the, the unjust judge. Friends, be reminded, you, you don't bother God when you consistently go to him in prayer. And in fact, God delights in hearing the prayers of believers. Always pray. And never give up. And then when it's hard to pray, and if you're anything like me, it's often hard to pray. Remember Paul's instruction in Colossians 4, that when it's hard to pray, start by devoting yourself to prayer. You you might need to get rid of the clutter and just say, you know what, Lord, this season I'm going to be devoted to prayer. And I would add to that, be devoted to the reading of God's word. Because when you don't know what to pray, pray God's word. That's when you're praying his will, and that's when you're going to see the work of God in your life. When it's hard to pray, three specific things you can pray for. Pray against a wandering mind. Pray prayers of thanksgiving. And pray for the mission of the local church.